Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> little nick on my middle finger see <laughs> no i really do Rude look at bitch. it it's because i was not ready for the power of my cutco knife <laughs> or maybe i'm being oh punished <laughs> cutco's back baby i do want to say because i feel like i said this poorly i am not at all mocking or upset with the rep the person that like sold me the cutco knife yeah gem of a human Absolutely. Absolutely incredible human, driven as fuck. They're doing it to pay their way through college. Oh, fuck yeah. And they're super sweet. I'm just mad at marketing. Yeah, yeah. And like the heteronormativity of training. Absolutely. That's it. 100%. Speaking of heteronormativity, though. Oh, God, this fucking movie. <laughs> this movie. This fucking movie. Uh, we're talking about paranormal activity. Yeah, we are. Which we'll get into it about why this heteronormative leads into it. But um, yeah. Uh, we're watching, nope, we're talking about paranormal activity. We're talking about paranormal activity. Sorry, if that cut sounds weird, it's because we had an air conditioning issue and I uh -huh. did have to fix it. There was so probably a demon there, but we uh, gave it some promises. <laughs> there was a demon in there. You know what I would do? Mm. Listen to my fucking girlfriend. And, and not get a, get a Ouija board? We'll get there. Mika. I just slammed the table. Sorry. Slam it. Slam. Okay. Movie. <laughs> was made in 2007. Oh, yes. Set in 2006. I don't know why I wrote that. I just thought it was funny. Because <laughs> it probably was starting to be made in 2006. So they just wrote, this is in 2006. But I was like, set in 2006. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is where it gets kind of fun. It was produced, written, directed, photographed, and edited by Oren Pelle. Sure. Yeah? I know how it's spelled. I don't know how it's said. I know. It's... Oren, like O R E N and P E L I. And I wasn't. Or P Lee. I'm not sure. I, I tried man. to look it up and I couldn't find it. So if mm. anyone knows how to like, actually pronounce it, but it's Oren Peli, I think. Or Peli, Peli. I don't know. But I'll, I'll look it up. Um, so this is fun. He based the movie on his experience uh, when he first moved to a house like by himself when like family wasn't around and he would hear like creaks and knocks in his house. Um, and it doesn't say if that was like ghosts or if it was just like normal house creaks, but either way, he goes like, you know what? What if like a couple just, you know, had ghosts like in demons? What if? And I think that's great. Um, so that's what the movie was based on. Uh, he also helped James Wan. Is it Wan or Wan? Do you know? I think it's Wan. Shit tits. James Wan and Lee Winnell. I'm having trouble with names. Today. Names are hard. Um, but James Wan, Lee Winnell, developed Insidious. Mm, yes. So, yeah. So, he was, like, helping them with that. Um, he also produced and wrote the 2012 horror film Chernobyl Diaries, mm. which I've not seen. It's been on my list, but I haven't watched it. Um, but I think, I've, I think I've heard, like, pretty good things about it. So, I believe it is also found footage. Mm, nice. Um, he's also, technically, he's, like, the producer for all paranormal activity movies within the franchise. So, like, any that are still being made or were made are, he's still a producer on that. Um, and then, I didn't know this, and I'm excited because you're also going to talk about this a little bit. Oh, he was also a producer on Lords of Salem. I wrote that down. That movie is buck wild. Have you seen it? Mm -mm. <laughs> I I could be wrong, but I think I'm correct that it is a Rob Zombie film. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, if we ever do anything with that film. we'll see it's it's a little cool wild boy. 
Um, but yeah, so he he helped with that. Um, he uh, produced this movie with Jason Bloom, who was the founder of Bloomhouse, which I didn't know that he was the founder. Because usually when you watch like, a Bloomhouse film, it's very obvious because they have that really intense logo at the beginning or it says like Bloomhouse production. This doesn't. So I didn't know that. And then when I was doing these notes, I was like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. So I know that you have some stuff about that and I'm really excited. Um, uh, what else? It was, oh, also, I think it was produced by someone else or maybe it was just those two. Um, the So this has two budgets. This is production and mm-hmm. post-production. Yes. I'm assuming post-production meaning like what, marketing? Is Distribution. That, that's kind of what I thought. Okay. So the actual production of the movie to make the movie itself was only 15000 mm-hmm. Um, But post-production was 215000 yep. So a lot of the money went into like marketing and like trying to distribute the film. We'll get into that. But guess how much it made? I feel like you already know. I do know. Oh, God. Well, I want to have a guess anyway, just because um, okay. if, if you remember. I'm, you know, bad at numbers. Uh, I would have said $50 million. million. Yeah, almost 200 million. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it made a lot. It was um, a hit, as the kids say. It's on fleek. It's, oh God. (laughs) I'm not leaving it in. No, I probably will. (laughs) On fleek. Is that what they say still? Probably not. That was like three years ago. I'm a a husk. I'm just a little husk. (laughs) I'm just a little husk. That's what I'm going to say every time I'm old. Yeah. Which is forever. Um, oh, God. Okay. Now I have to recap this movie. I got this. I just cracked my back. I don't know if it got caught in the I light. saw her, like, physically getting ready for this. I was like, okay. Fuck. <laughs> you would think I would know, wouldn't you? You're wrong. So here's the thing. I don't remember names, and there are only two people in this movie. Do not give me that face. What is her name? Katie. Katie. <laughs> your name is Katie. Is. Well, your name is Kate. That's why I didn't associate it. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Katie goes by Kate and Katie. Mm-hmm. That's you. That's I me. was calling you Katie for that, once. That's weird. Nicole. Isn't that weird? <laughs> oh, you monster. <laughs> I know Kate by Kate, but Kate also goes by Katie. So when yeah. people say it, I'm like, who? Who the fuck is Katie? Who the fuck's Katie? <laughs> so. Who the fuck is Stacy? Who the fuck is. Yeah, Kate also goes by Stacy sometimes. When I lie at parties. When you fucking lie, you liar. <laughs> but yeah, when I watch those, I couldn't. I could not remember any names. The only reason I remember Mika is because it's said wrong. Because it's like said wrong. And also because he sucks. He sucks. He's the one character in the movie that I was like, fuck this guy. And she says, Mika! Like so many times she yells his name angrily that I'm like, I'll never forget this name. That's a trope. But poor Katie. They never say Katie's name. Well, they do sometimes, but not a lot. I don't know. Point is, I'm bad with names and I kept wanting to call her Sarah. Huh. Which like, where'd that come from? She could look like a Sarah. She could. She's a cutie pie. She is. Um, okay. So, these, these, this couple, this lovely couple live in a really kind of like big and nice house for fucking LA. Are they in LA? They're in Los Angeles or San Francisco? Where are they? They're in San California. Diego? San Diego. Point okay. is, they're in California, which is notoriously quite expensive. And they live in a nice fucking house. And she's a student. So, he's, he's a, a day, day trader. trader. Yeah. She said that. I was like, oh, I hate him. Yeah. As soon as she went, he's a day trader. I was like, oh, fuck you, Mika. God damn it. Mm -hmm. So, sorry to our day trader fans. Um, So, (laughs) none of them like us. (laughs) None of them like us. Every single day trader hates us. (laughs) (laughs) Mika and Katie live in this way too expensive house in California. um, And Katie is experiencing like hauntings. Mika is, I 
hesitant to believe her to the point of like buying a camera and being like, well, I'm going to document what happens so we can see if it's actually happening. Fuck you, Mika. So they get a camera and they set it up and it's basically, it goes from zero to 60. Like you get a few nights of like, ooh, bumps, so spooky, footsteps. And all of a sudden shit just starts going buck wild, especially because he does some shit. We'll get into it later, but Mika does some shit that makes this poor little demon. I, I say poor little demon just because he was probably just as annoyed with Mika as we are. Mm-hmm. Um, that pisses this demon off, which in turn puts Katie through hell. Yes. And basically some shit really, some bad shit goes down in this uh, poor little haunted California home, mostly because it's been following Katie. So it's not like they can run away. And that's about it. Mika's just a shithead and yeah. things are haunted, you know? <laughs> I feel like there is a thread among your summaries, which is not incorrect, where you like give this introduction setting the scene and then you say, and then shit happens. Then shit goes wrong. And it's like, that is accurate. That is a completely right? accurate summary. I mean, that's the thing is I think I say that so I can't be wrong. Like mm. if I keep it as vague as possible, <laughs> no one can call me out. Because if I try to go into detail, people will be like, um, actually, they're not in California. And I can't and deal with that. And she levitates. <laughs> and I she am, fights a bear. I'm too sensitive for corrections. So I keep <laughs> it vague. So nobody can do it. Do not correct me. Shit happened. I dare you to tell me that it didn't. Shit did happen. Thank you. Give me a real one. <laughs> okay. So I'm this ready. one's from Rotten Tomatoes. Because I tend to like them better than IMDb. Mm-hmm. Don't come after me, IMDb. Uh, so, okay. soon after moving into a suburban tract home, suburban, suburban, <laughs> you're right, suburban. I'm a husk. I'm just a little husk. I'm just a little husk. <laughs> soon after moving into a suburban tract home, Katie and Mika become increasingly disturbed by what appears to be a supernatural presence. Hoping to capture evidence of it on film, they set up video cameras in the house, but are not prepared for the terrifying events that follow. First of all, it's one camera. It is a Thank singular you. camera. That is an incorrect thing from Rotten Tomatoes. Also, they really made it sound like Katie was on board. Oh, she was they not. They were like, they get a camera. They. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He, Mika does some shit. He comes out with a camera. She's like, what happened to the small handheld that we talked about? Right. And then he's like, oh, just kidding. I got this giant one. Which I don't think you actually ever see the camera. Maybe Mm-mm. because, you know, you're using the camera. Well, they are in the mirror at some point. Oh, you're right. You're mm-hmm. right. Whatever. Fuck Mika. Let's Fuck get Mika. into it. <laughs> I, yeah, because here's the thing. And like, I know that I'm already getting angry. I love this movie. Oh, I love this movie. I really do. And I think that like your hatred for Mika is, I'm hoping on purpose. And if it's not, (laughs) fuck this guy. And it adds to it now as an adult. We'll get into it later. But I think it's time to be whisked away to Nerd Corner. Woo! Woo. Okay, that's sad. It's like a sad <laughs> we can't. Nope. <laughs> so this week's nerd corner is a smidge shorter than usual, but that's because there's lots to talk about in other areas, like how much yeah. Mika sucks. Oh and I actually did subdivide my tropes into like the four or five that I want to talk about, and yeah. then tropes that prove that Mika sucks. Oh my god, I love. I this. really did divide it that way. This is just this is just Mika sucks corner, and it honestly, pff, love it. Yes. So paranormal activity and society. We've already talked a little bit about the viral marketing of this movie back when we covered the Blair Witch Project, Mm -hmm. and I don't want it to feel super repetitive, so I'll just do a quick review and then explore a related aspect. Fun. So first off, this movie was, you know, released in 2009, 2007, but super limited release. Yes. And then broadly released in 2009. So in Oh, was it that long? mm -hmm, It was two years. So 2007 was a release at like this niche horror film festival. Right. And... 
this was done to get the support of horror fans. And then from there, they're released to a limited set of cities, which expanded to some college towns. And then once they saw that it was promising, they created the Demand It campaign. Yes! I remember this! So the premise of this campaign was that Paramount would not release it nationally unless it received one million demands. (laughs) So you would go to the ParanormalActivity.com website. I don't know why I said it like that. I sound like a boomer. The dot com website. HTTP backslash (laughs) colon. (laughs) Colon backslash backslash. (laughs) Nikki, get in here. Type this in for me. (laughs) Can you move the mice? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right, Graham. <laughs> all right, Graham, Graham. All right, Graham, Graham. I got you. So essentially, like, I did forget to put this in my notes, but a lot of the trailers showed very little of the movie. Mm. Like, I watched the original trailer, and about half of the trailer is just showing audience yes. reactions. I remember that. Yeah, and so that was one of the big, like, marketing ploys, and so then they're like, demand it, paranormal activity. You you brought this up when we did Blair Witch, and it, like, awoke something inside mm-hmm. of me where it I was like, memories. I don't remember this, I don't remember this movie, I don't remember this, and then you went, and then people had to demand it, and I went, <gasps> I demanded it. <laughs> I went to that stupid website, and I was like, I gotta see this. How did I not remember that? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I went to the website and was like, what's a reverse demand? Please don't bring it here. Like, Do not. <laughs> I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> so if you went to paranormalactivity.com, you would see a button in the corner that said demand it and you'd enter your location. So did. this served the dual purpose of putting the power in the viewer's hands as well as allowing Paramount. Paramount? You're having a hell of a time today. I'm having a time. It's because uh, tomorrow's my last day at work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we're all just feeling a little fun. I'm a little punchy. (laughs) It's not my last day at work. I I still work. But I have a half day, so let's let's do it. And to be clear, I'm starting a different job, but tomorrow's my last day at a hellhole. So, fun times. Bye, (laughs) hellhole. Bye, hellhole. So, da-da-da. By entering your location, Mm -hmm. this, you know, allowed us to think like, oh, I can control things. But it also allowed Paramount to determine which areas had high enough demand to release it to. Yeah. Because it was released on like a shoestring budget, like a microscopic budget compared to everything else. So they had to be like strategic about where they released it. Right. There was also like that added layer of, look, you can have the power here. You want it? You better (gasps) want it enough. Tell your friends. They really gave me the power and I went with it. Yeah. It's like they teased enough power to make you want to tell other people to pull people in. And so that was part of the viral marketing. Yeah. And also the fact that they didn't show the movie itself in the trailer very much, like barely at all, Mm -hmm. made me, because they showed like audience reactions. That was the whole thing. And I remember being like, I want to be like them. I want to see what they're seeing. They did such a good job because I was like, I don't know what they're watching, but Mm -hmm. they're terrified. See, whenever I see trailers or like whenever I see anything where it's like, this will scare you silly, like things like that, you'll laugh yourself silly. You'll laugh yourself silly. Uh, But whenever I see like someone saying, this is the scariest movie of all time, me, a coward, I go, it's not going to scare me. I'm going to be brave. And I'm never brave. (laughs) So... It's like, I don't know why I have this confidence. It's truly just stubbornness because I'm like, you can't tell me to be scared. I'm not going to be scared. I'm scared as shit. That's true. I was like, you totally are. I'm very scared. This is like very much like the time where, what, you got a shot or something and they said mm. it won't hurt and then it did hurt so you screamed <laughs> bloody murder even though you like you were fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is very much one of those situations <laughs> where you're like, it won't scare you and so you get scared and then the opposite where they're like, it'll scare you so bad and Kate's like, no, it won't. <laughs> I have to prove I won't really get scared. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> you're like, you're kind of like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy where they're like, yeah, we're totally along to solve this murder. Just don't make me look at it. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And I I'm also it. very food motivated. So. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Me too. Who am I in this mystery gang? Probably Fred. Because I feel like he's not scared and he's also kind of stupid. See, I always identified as a mix of Velma and Shaggy because okay. I'm very much like oh. research driven intensity on that. But I'm also scared as shit. You were 100% that- a Shaggy and uh, a Shelma. You're a Shelma. (laughs) And I think I'm just full-blown Fred. I mean, there's nothing. I'm always like, I'll put on an ascot and I'll do whatever you tell me to. Nikki with a bolo tie. That's me. I'm Fred in a bolo tie. Yes, you are. And I'm always ready for go. So returning to our paranormal activity, uh, there was also another functionality on the website. Tweet your scream. You click it and are linked to Twitter where you release your 140 character scream or shout of terror to the Twitterverse. And at that point, it was 140 characters instead of 280. That changed was a few years back. Oh. Anyway, <clears throat> those were the aspects of viral marketing. They did it really fucking well. Yeah, they did. I want to look at why that may have been chosen as a method. So I'm not in like Blumhouse's head, whatever. But mm-hmm. they made this movie on a $15,000 budget. Yeah. And it seems wild that a movie made so cheaply could be so wildly successful monetarily. Yeah. But I want to get into the budget of horror films. There's this really cool video from NPR that's like a nine-minute horror movie about making a horror movie. Yeah. And it'll be in my extended show notes. Don't you fret. You Love can watch it yourself. Notes. But basically they say that there are like eight reasons, among others, that horror movies can have a huge return on investment. Right. And when you look at like the highest grossing films and like the most money made, you also have to look at the budget. So right, it's like right. it may have made like, you know, however many million, but it also took however million million. Yeah, exactly. This was shot on $15,000. $15, and so then the return on investment was like 13,000 times what they spent so on it. So ridiculous. Yeah. So basically eight reasons that they have a huge return on investment. So the list, limited locations, less talking, fear of the unknown, cheap costumes and props, low budget looks fit the horror aesthetic, profit sharing, quantity over quality, and sequels. Oh god, there are so many sequels We're which I'll, into that. we'll definitely talk about. Yeah. So I'm going to go into each of these a little bit more. So renting locations, moving equipment, and people to locations, scouting locations, that all costs money. And most horror movies settle on like a limited number of locations with some happening all in one place. Right. Notably paranormal activity. The characters leave the house, but the camera never does. So they never have to shoot in a location that is not inside that home. Right. Like they go out to dinner, the camera stays at home. I think the furthest they really get outside of the house would be their own backyard. In the backyard. With, and I would say a pool is the only thing that probably, because they're in a pool at one point, aren't they? That's in the second movie. Is it? Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay. Never mind. The pool's in the second or later. You're totally right. She's on a swing outside. Yep, you're totally right. But they, like, never leave their property. I just remembered when we talked about how, like, shooting around a pool is really hard. Mm. And, like... You have to, you're going to want to get that shot and someone's getting in the water. Mm-hmm. So I thought about that, but you're right. I think it is in a second. So yeah, they never leave. No, they wow. stay on their property the whole time. And That's so it's so cool. really cheap. And they shot it over the course of seven days. It was only seven days? Mm-hmm. And so shorter filming means a cheaper movie. Holy you only have to pay people for a shorter amount. Like if you're only filming seven days, you only have to pay seven days or like the setup, like whatever. So the shorter, like the least amount of time you can take filming, that saves money. <laughs> I am just baffled because, like, as someone who has an IMDb page, <laughs> just kidding, I do, I generally do, but God, don't look at it. Um, as someone who's been in, like, I'd say, like, two or three, Kate just gave me the meanest eyes. <laughs> I lifted my eyebrows. Yeah, like, twice. mean, like. Um, mean but, like, life. I've been in two or three short films now, just, like, with friends mm-hmm. and just, like, the background characters. Even that took either a whole fucking day mm-hmm. or, 
like two days, like two or three days to make sure that you got everything. And some of them were shot in one place. So to hear that this one was made in seven days and is a full length feature film, mm-hmm. wild. And I know that like it doesn't have that many people, blah, blah. Still, that's, wow. I just yeah. think that's really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm going to get into like another aspect of that, which I think is uh, really cool. Okay. And it's actually right now. I'm going to get into it right now. <laughs> Or no need to wait, baby. We're I'm here. I'm going to tease it again and then talk about it more later. Just right, like a fine. triple tease. <laughs> so <laughs> the like second list is less talking. So horror movies tend to be low dialogue. Mm-hmm. If you have lots of dialogue, you generally pay actors more and you hire more experienced actors to deliver those lines. Yeah. In this case, a fair portion of the dialogue was improvised. I kind of assumed. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it felt very... Because like... Blair Witch kind of... Not to say it again... But as someone who like has done plays or whatever, a lot of the exercises you'll do is like do your scene, but without your script, just do it improvised, just keep the same vibe. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this felt like. It felt like they gave them like an outline of like, here's what you're feeling. Here's what you're mad about. Here are the things I want you to touch on. Now mm-hmm. just go. Yep. Which is so cool. Mm-hmm. I-, I love improv. I think that you get better performances that way. Not saying that scripted things are bad. Like I love scripted things, but like I think you get better performances when you just let people go. Mm-hmm. So this was so cool. I wondered. I was going to ask you about it, and I'm glad that you had that near your North mm-hmm. And I'm going to add a few more things to that later, but not, like, right now. So, yeah. yeah. Third one, fear of the unknown. This goes back to the trope that we keep coming back to. Nothing right. is scarier. So sometimes you never see a monster or witch or demon, and that saves you money when you don't have to CGI an alien in right. or create practical effects for a lizard creature. Instead, you show the audience a shadow, a blurry image in a mirror, or footprints in talcum powder. Saves you a lot of fucking money. Oh, it's raining. It is. Also, it's getting dark in here, but I kind of like it. I like it. It's spooky. We've got a vibe. We've got a vibe. No one can see it, but someday we'll record on YouTube and everyone can see our spooky vibes. Can you hear the vibe? Can you hear the vibes? Can you hear it? Can you hear the rain? Can you hear my cat slowly walking towards me? She's so chubby. Here she goes. Look at that voice. Oh, she meowed at me a tiny bit. Oh, she did. She's like, man. That's my chubby baby. Next up. Cheap costumes and props. Mm -hmm. Your movie covers a bunch of 20-year-olds building their own haunted attraction on a shoestring budget. They're not wearing designer clothes or fancy props. They're not wearing fancy props. They don't have fancy props. They're not. Some props are worn. Some of them are, yes. That's true. It's like jeans, t-shirts, and basic shoes they can run away from a monster and bam, you're done. Mm -hmm. Low budget aesthetic. So this works really well for found footage in particular. And if it looks like it was done on a cheap camera, either because it was or they made those effects then it's easier to immerse yourself and potentially fall for the viral marketing stunt. And Paranormal Activity was filmed on a single handheld camera, which was sometimes on a tripod. That is, ugh. I just, I like, I like that. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I have nothing else to say other than just like, I appreciate when movies are like, it has to look kind of shitty. Let's just do it shitty. Yeah. Instead of being like, we'll use effects to make it shitty, which I feel like we'll go into this eventually later, I'm sure. But I feel like that's what the sequels have done. Mm. So... We'll get to that, but I do feel like they the first one is the tried and true, like, we genuinely shot it on the shitty camera. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I read something about that for Blair Witch Project, and I yeah. don't, like, truly don't remember which movie it was, but it was basically, like, so many big studios have tried to replicate our clunky yeah. found footage by using expensive cameras and then effects to we, clunk it down. We actually just used the shitty cameras. Right, we talked about this, where it's mm-hmm. like, if you want to make it shitty, just go for it. Yeah. I understand there are risks in that, though, because you have more issues with shitty cameras i mean there's things you have to worry about outdated equipment 
it's really raining and storming. It's really pretty. I just <laughs> love really rain great. so much. Um, okay. But yeah, you have that risk of yeah. like things could malfunction probably more with older equipment. So you have to be careful, but you will get the look you want. Yep. It's sometimes worth it. Yep. And there was like, I think three crew members. What? And then the actors. Yeah. No, they had like a few people. The more you there. tell me about this, the more my mind is blown. Like I knew some of it, but not to this extent. Yeah. That's really cool. Yep. And then there's also quantity over quality. So mm-hmm. if you're not investing a ton in any one movie, right. you can basically throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And then once you find a profitable concept, sequels. Mm-hmm. So Paranormal Activity has six movies out, one oh in the works. No. Halloween. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's one that's supposed to release either this year or next. I did not know they were still going. Yeah. Because I've seen some of them. Um, we'll, we'll get to that once we get to horror, because I have a few things I want to say. But, yeah, like, I've seen some of the sequels, and I had no idea that there was still one, like, in the world. I thought they were done. I'm checking to double check. Kate's doing some typing. She's doing it. I'm typing away. Okay, 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 okay. So, Paranormal Activity Film Series. Yeah, Paranormal, okay, so, in 2015, they released The Ghost Dimension, and then 2022, according to Wikipedia, is okay. where por- Paranormal Activity 7. No. Yeah. 7? Yeah. That's so, it was so many. originally scheduled for release on March 19th, 2021, but it was yeah. delayed a year because of COVID. Um, <laughs> COVID! Air horn noises. <laughs> right? And they said the project would skip theatrical release and instead be released via streaming as a Paramount Plus exclusive film. Oh, okay. Which is interesting because in an interview that I listened to, Blumhouse said that like horror movies tend to make more in theater than they do in VOD or like Um, they make way less than other films in like release. I can see that being true just because I kicked it. Oh my God, I thought my cat did. No, it was like, she's mad. Um, I can see that being true simply because and I could be wrong. I don't fucking know. I don't do marketing. But it seems like horror movies are more of an experience that you want to experience in a theater with friends. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if I want to watch, I could get into this. If I want to watch, like, Trolls 2, World oh, Tour, what? Trolls World Tour. I'll get into this in a second. That's easier to just watch at home because it's not, like, a big experience, you know? But with a horror movie, you want to see that with your friends. You want to, like, go and sometimes on a date you know like mm-hmm. it's something that i feel like is better in the theater yeah the reason i brought up trolls world tour oh God. is because that movie single-handedly almost destroyed like amc <gasps> did you know about this no it's one of my favorite things um so during like quarantine trolls 2 is one of and i could be wrong someone correct me if i'm wrong but like i said i'm sensitive so don't um <laughs> but you can uh trolls 2 was one of the first movies i'd say during the pandemic that like decided okay we're going to release on video on demand and let people just watch it because like we worked really hard on this we want people to see it um let's just do that and theaters were understandably i, I wouldn't say understandably actually because fuck some theaters but Mm. some theaters were upset because they were like no like we want to charge people for this this could make us money let us do it and uh trolls 2 was just like no like fuck now also it's called trolls world tour whatever but it was like no like we're gonna release it and basically amc was just like if you do that like we will not show movies from like i think dreamworks or something like again they're like we won't do this uh it became this wild fight between the two companies, basically, being like, we're going to release this movie. We do not want to wait however long this is going to be. Because at that point, we didn't know how long it would be. Uh, they were like, we don't want to wait. We're going to just release this movie. And AMC was just like, no! <laughs> and like AMC just got so pissed. So 
whenever people talk about movies releasing on demand and stuff like this, I'm like, let's just thank and everyone give a sweet kiss to Trolls World Tour because they are the ones that paved the way for the pandemic to basically be like, we're going to release things on demand. Yeah. Stop it. Just do it. Yeah. And I think that that's so funny. So whenever you're happy that you got to watch movies during the pandemic, you could go ahead and thank that movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like I said, I could be wrong on the details, but I'm almost positive. (laughs) It is now sacred in my head. Thank you. All right. Continue. I'm sorry. I had to get on my little troll soapbox. So Paranormal Activity for sure has six movies out and one of the works. Halloween has 11 in their franchise. (gasps) Saw has eight, not counting Spiral. I have not seen a single Saw movie. Uh, They're not bad. Well, the early ones aren't bad. (laughs) We'll get there. I'll watch it. I just haven't seen any. Nightmare on Elm Street has nine. Nine? The Conjuring has seven. Conjuring, slow down. And it's like in their universe. So it's not like this is Conjuring one, two, three, four. But it's like Annabelle, the nun, you know. Yikes. Uh, And that's an incomplete list. Uh, no one said the sequels have to be well-received critically or make nearly <laughs> sure as much money no. or even be that good. But oh the name God. recognition and nostalgia often make this a reasonable financial That's investment. That's true, yeah. Wow. I did not know that all those movies had so many. Oh, God, yeah. So there's an article series on horror obsessive that I really enjoy where it goes mm-hmm. like decade by decade and talks about the most popular movies in that time along with like the general cultural movements or anxieties. Right. It's a really helpful, like, series of articles yeah, for me, yeah. personally. <laughs> uh, the 2000s were largely focused on reboots and torture porn, which we have no interest in oh, covering. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. I just I, don't. I'm not even sorry. <laughs> I yeah, I guess I'm not it. sorry. I, they're just, I don't have interest. I have no interest in watching that. What are movies that you would describe in that? Uh, Human Centipede. Human Centipede. Yeah. Would you also say, like, um, Hostel? I haven't seen Hostel. See, that's a, what's one that has at least a little substance to it mm. and something that I would almost be like, I guess it's not part of that, but it's close. Yeah. So it's movies like that, but I'm just like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I just don't really have interest in doing that. And it's like, I wanted to Google a list so I could like have context, but then right. I really didn't want to Google torture porn movies. Right. It's like, you know, I don't need that. Yeah. I could have Google. just Googled like horror movies 2000s and like then gone from there, but I did it. It is so low on my list of interests that I just, I'm not even going to Google it. Listen, if there are some that you really feel have like some kind of merit for being a genuinely great horror movie, go fine. I'll I'll hear your case. But for the most part, I don't find them interesting. So that happened in 2000s, but it also introduced the rise of Jason Blum and Blumhouse. Yeah. So I Googled how to say his name because people like say it differently. Uh, most people say Blum rhymes with Plum I've instead of Bloom. Bloom rhymes with Plume, yeah. but like people say it differently. Interesting, because I said it and I, I saw you kind of look at me and I went, I said Bloomhouse. Oh God! And no. I was like, How do you actually say it? And then I got nervous, and now I'm like, I think people just have always said it. Yes, different. Interesting. Yep. It's like one of those things where there are so many words where it's like no matter what you say, someone will correct you. Jif, gif. Don't get me started. Uh, euro. Euro. People, yeah, I say Euro. Euro. And so really like it's Euro or it's uh, Euros. I like, guess I do say Euro. I say Euro. I say Euro, Like yeah. E-U-R-O, like a Euro. <laughs> and I know I'm wrong, but I also <laughs> did take ancient Greek and it would be Gyros if you're spelling it, like if you're looking at the spelling gyros. of ancient Greek. Yeah, no one's going to order I'd that. I love a Gyros. But basically... <laughs> any way you say it someone will correct you and there's so many of those words where it's even if you're right someone's gonna fucking correct you so this is one where it's like when i did research people said it was blum rhymes with plum so that's what i'm going with all right all right cool yeah so hmm. blum has a system for producing movies yeah first off he usually recruits directors that had a hit and then had a flop 
So basically directors that are in movie jail. Oh, which funny. We'll get into movie jail more whenever we do the invitation with Karen Kusama because I have opinions. I'm excited for that. But he doesn't always stick to that. It's just the type of director he's genuinely interested in. It's uh, like he's like the, the, the king of second chances. Mm. Like, <laughs> uh, mm, there's probably a reason for that. And I'll tell oh, you that. I'm excited. Okay. So this is just like me, Kate, trying to understand how money works. But yeah. you know, next, his company has a method that they stick to. The formula is low budget movie with the director and actors being paid literally the lowest they can scaled. So maybe Jeez. why he has like second chance directors. Yeah. Uh, full creative power to the director. So he says like, you get final cut. Like, I'm just producing it. You're making this. This is See, your that vision. that is something that is really yeah. nice. Because when I read, when I, well, when you saw me, obviously, you mm-hmm. heard it. When I read the notes at the beginning, mm-hmm. I mean, the director of this movie yeah. did everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure he probably could have decided to hire other people. But he was like, no, I got this. And yeah. that's great. I wondered. I was going to ask. I was like, why do you think he got so much control when a lot of people don't? That's what Blumhouse does. And so. That's kind of cool. Then he also has, like, wide release of the film. So. Right. They also reverse engineer their budget. So they create, like, this worst-case scenario loss model. Yeah. So if it fails to make it to theaters, like, they go through all the trouble of producing it, and then they realize we cannot, like, no one right, will lose like, money sending this to theaters. They can still make $2 million in the U.S. and $2 million overseas. That's, like, their worst-case scenario oh. if they don't, like, if they sell it on iTunes or something. Right. So they generally max out at, like, a $5 million budget. So they can either break even or lose a maximum of $1 million. Okay. So. Cool. It's changed over the years, and he said, like, he'll be the first to say that they have to adapt to changing times and budgets and, like, mm-hmm. scenarios, but it used to be, like, a $3 million budget. Now it's more, like, 4 to $5 million budget. Yeah. But that is, uh, I mean, to me, a million dollars is, like, I'll never see them oh in my life. Oh, my God. I was like, Jesus. But to a studio or, like, a production company, that's it's like we sneeze that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you said a million, I was like, oh, okay. Wow, yeah. that's not a lot. So in the aforementioned horror obsessive article, they said that his method, quote, it's a model that has led to and heavily influenced the trend in the 2010s, often referred to as elevator horror. But mm. while incredibly successful, Blumhouse focuses more on return on investment over artistic standards. As a result, while it has been responsible for some of the best horror of the last decade, it has also resulted in some fairly dreadful films and the outright milking of many of its hits with Saw-like yeah. franchises that result in ever-decreasing returns in terms of quality. Right. So, personally, I am not an expert on the number of bad films in the last decade. Don't yeah. know what they were. <laughs> but that's just, like, what they said about the outcome of using this model. And I watched an interview that he did, and he talks about, like, we create good films because our directors have all the creative oversight. Like, he right. firmly believes in his model, but it also does turn out some duds. Right, which I mean, Anyone like, will. Such is life. Yeah. Um. No. So, regardless... Oh, sorry. Uh, the Conjuring's not Blumhouse, is it? Uh, I don't believe it is, but not. I just, okay. Because you said flops, and I was like, oh boy, I could talk about flops if we're talking about mm. The Conjuring, but we'll get to those later. I didn't know if they were Blumhouse or not. I didn't, I didn't think so. No, I'm pretty but sure it's not. Hold on. Give me a hot second, because now I'm like questioning myself. No, I don't think they are. I don't think they are, because I, I feel like. Oh, it's New Line Cinema. That's it. Okay, yeah. Cool. I'm um, just curious. But it is uh, James Wan. Right. Who did Sinister or Insidious? I don't remember. Insidious, I believe. And then worked with the director of this film. So, yeah. So they're slightly connected, but not in the Blumhouse way. Yeah. So regardless of the trends or how the Blumhouse model may have influenced others, it has produced some incredibly successful movies. Get Out. Insidious. Right. Sinister. The Purge. Creep. The Visit. Hush. Happy Death Day. And obviously, Paranormal Activity. Right. Well, that's the thing is Blumhouse is also just one of those things where like if you just see the logo... 
you're kind of like, oh, okay, well, at least I know it's like probably a good film. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even if it's not, you're just like, oh, well, that's okay. You're willing to forgive some bad ones because they've done so many good ones. So I don't, I didn't know about this business model, but I I can say it's kind of working. Oh, yeah. Considering I am willing to forgive bad movies simply because I've seen so many good ones. And immediately I see that logo and I go, oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Got it. Yeah. And there were a few things that he said that I thought were really cool in this interview. He's like, you don't need celebrities for good horror. You need good concepts. And so like that's another thing that keeps costs low is that you don't hire celebrities generally. Like sometimes you have some big fucking names in horror films and that's kind of an oddity because it is, I think you can go with newer actors. It's cheaper. (laughs) Right. You know, that is something I've never thought about that most horror films are actors that are either ones you don't see too often, but Mm -hmm. you know, or some you don't know at all. Yeah. Which is really cool. I don't know. I think, I think horror does a really good job of giving actors a chance who maybe aren't usually considered because they're not big fucking actors, (laughs) like, but are just as equally talented. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I read an interview with Blum about the future of the horror genre, and his theory is that the number of horror movies hitting theaters will steadily decrease over the next few years because he thinks the market's saturated. Mm. He does say that it will be good for his company because they make low-budget but high-quality movies, and in a less cluttered market, there will be less competition, and his movies will get more attention. It's important to add that this article and interview was February of 2020. (laughs) Yeah, so that's right before COVID (laughs) hit the U.S. So there's no way to know if or how that will change things. You know what has happened, though, and I will say is kind of frustrating, is that movies are using, like, video chats to create horror films Mm. based on COVID kind of thing. Not necessarily using COVID Mm -hmm. as a thing that is scary, but using, like, you can only talk over Skype and now it's scary or Zoom or whatever. And I'm like, the last thing we needed was to make this scary don't like and i i will say it's just one thing that i wasn't really looking forward to yeah and a few friends of mine who worked at the theater knew it was coming oh yeah the minute we got like laid off and everything started we were like just wait for the movies that are you're gonna get zoom romances you're gonna get zoom horror movies you're gonna Mm -hmm. get zoom you already had quarantine meet cutes like that's happening in the romance i was in the romance in the romance romance genre it's already oh no it's a thing yeah there are already movies that are like based on meeting over zoom and this and that and i'm like Mm -hmm. stop romanticizing it one two please don't don't make horror movies based on it it's already so upsetting or like wait for a while right but they made it during and i'm like I understand if you were making it that way because you couldn't go out and that's one thing, but to use it as like a catalyst to be like, let's start doing something. I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way, but if the movies are good, let me know. I don't know. I haven't seen them. They don't interest me, but you know what? I'm willing to be wrong. Yeah. Let me know. I'm like personally not here for it emotionally because it's like we're in the middle of trauma and that's like (sighs) the US is not facing as much trauma as other areas of the oh world. exactly so it's like we are in this kind of like almost post-pandemic mindset for a lot of folks Which we're, not. we're still in it and like even if we personally aren't the world people is in it and worse. people in lower resource or marginalized nations like are suffering it just so, feels kind of like a slap when we're like yeah we made a horror movie about it and it's like still happening and it's really it's scary like, fuck for you. people please don't do this yeah so, you know, if anybody's listening to the podcast and yeah. you're thinking about making a movie based on it, I just, I don't know, don't rethink it. Wait for a few years. Wait until there's vaccination what's in all that, the countries. What's that time plus? Oh, what is uh, that? It's like 
tragedy plus time equals humor or something. Yeah, well, time plus tragedy equals don't make this horror movie yet. Just wait a few years. Yeah, don't, just wait do more this. time. You need more time. <laughs> My God, we're not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> so anyway, there's no way to know like how COVID will change right. horror movies, if it will, that sort of thing. But regardless, I think it's interesting to look at the process of production and distribution and like budgeting from yeah. paranormal to present. So that is my society. Oh, that was good. Thank you. I always say, like, I'm not expecting it to be good, but I want you to know, I'm always expecting it to be good. It just always blows my mind how good it is. Oh, thank you. Um, oh, you just do so much research. <laughs> I love And it's so research. cool. <laughs> I know. That baffles me, but I love it. We balance each other so well. Oh, yeah. research, I'll never do it. You can't make me. Um, that's great. I You hit on a lot of things that I had actually been thinking about yeah. while watching it. Because I've seen this movie a lot. Uh-huh. Um, because as you know, I demanded it. Um, so I obviously, <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I think I saw this in theaters twice. I really liked it. I need to tell you how I watched it. Oh, you have to tell me how you watched it. I'm really excited about okay. this. Kate so, was like, oh, I have to tell you how I watched it, but I'm going to wait until we're recording. So now I'm like, oh, fuck. What is it? It's so dumb. <laughs> oh, God. Me and uh, my bestie uh, were making cookies for our oh. chemistry class in high school. And uh, it was for Mole Day, and we... That did not answer any of my questions. (laughs) It's a science concept, like a mole is a unit. Oh, okay. I was like, you said that like I would know, and I was like, okay. No. (laughs) You gave the cookies to moles? No, so it was like, God, I don't even remember the number, but it's like, I think it's in March, but basically it's like a chemistry nerd holiday. Okay, okay. It's really silly. I was Uh, like, what? Hold on, I need to Google the size of a mole now. Why? What? <laughs> because I have this issue. This okay. is taking so many turns. Oh my god, it's not even okay. Uh it's six point zero two two one four zero seven six times ten to the twenty-third. So it's actually in October. It's October twenty-third. We do like ten to the twenty third. Anyway, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Here's the moral of the story. Oh my god, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's it like to be smart? Well, that I'm Googling things. <laughs> What's it like to be smart is AKA I'll never stop looking and researching. Yeah, that Nightmare is pretty for much me. Anyway, so it's like the number of atoms uh, that make one mole. And so it's like a unit of measurement. And it doesn't matter. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love this so much, you nerd. <laughs> I, used I to, admire you. I used to be super into science and math. Oh, dude, I've always yeah. wanted to be. Remember when I was almost a marine biologist? Yeah, and then you remembered you're scared of the ocean. Shut up. I'm specifically <laughs> scared of whales. <laughs> They're the ocean, too big. The ocean is scary. The ocean like, is a very valid thing. I'm very scared of it. And it doesn't mean that I don't love it still. And yeah. I still have a lot of knowledge of the ocean that mm-hmm. I really like to share with people. Yeah. I will. My dream is to someday just see a real colossal squid up up in person i want to see it so I bad i want to see a squid or an octopus oh they're really great i've seen a squid and an octopus but i want to see the colossal squid yeah talk about horror am i right right um but yeah science Ugh, used to be my dream used to be my thing you wa- here's a fun story we're off topic this is going to be a wild episode everyone buckle sure in is. i don't care maybe we'll cut it out maybe we won't eh. um when i took chemistry in high school we had to take a practice test at the beginning and you take the same test at the end to show how much you've yeah. learned uh, do you want to guess what I got on that test the first time we took it? 69%. Oh, that's a fun <laughs> guess that you gave. <laughs> a negative one. <laughs> <laughs> I got a negative 
one, Kate, meaning I got a 0% on this test. And somehow I got a question wrong that you didn't think you could get wrong. Do you want to know what happened? Did you misspell your name? Oh, bitch. (laughs) I didn't just misspell it. (laughs) He said before we took this test, do not put your name on it. Use your school ID number. And I said out loud, I don't remember the number. And he went, it's on your ID. And I said, well, I don't have that. And he went, well. (laughs) So I went, I wrote my name. (laughs) Here's the thing you got to know about Nikki Solomon is that I'm a big old idiot and a goof. I I was almost voted class clown, but I don't think I was, which is bullshit. But I am well known for just being a big old loud mouth. And he said, "Put if you don't know your number, please put your number, please. And I went, I don't know it. I'm writing my name, okay? And he wrote, he said, I'm going to mark it wrong. And I went, that's fine. <gasps> oh, my God. I, I, yeah, so I got a negative one because I, I obviously got nothing right because I'm very bad at math. I'm dyslexic. I have ADHD. Yeah, I don't do it. Well, so I got it wrong. And then from then on, he was very sweet because I never remember the number. Because yeah. I'm dyslexic and yeah. I, I don't remember it. So I knew that I had two sevens in my number. So every single time I did a test, I wrote double seven. Yeah. The word double seven. Yep. And he just accepted it and was that's like, nice. fine. That's good. He was like, that's fine. I'm glad. So that's how I, that's how I spent my chemistry days. If it makes you feel any better, when I took the test again at the end, I got like an 80 or a 90. Nice. I learn well. It just mm-hmm. takes me a long fucking time. Do you want to hear how I was mocked ruthlessly in front of the entire pre-cal class? <laughs> yes, I do. So short version of the story. There's a test. And in it, I wrote the answer, which was correct, which is 30.99. Yeah. And I was also like, I'm going to be fancy and write the approximate. So like, you know, the way V equals. Yes. Well, I forgot as I was writing that it was 30.99, not 39.99. So I said (gasps) 30.99 is approximately equal to 40. And he held it up in front of the entire class. And he said, I call this the swindler approximation. The swindler approximation. That's incredible. Oh my god. Anyway. Back to mole day. We had very fun high school experiences. Someday we'll just we'll do a bonus episode of just all of our weird stories. God. Because I've got a few. Mole day. So we were making cookies and (laughs) we decided to watch paranormal activity. And uh, as I may have mentioned earlier, I'm stubborn, but in really just ridiculous, inane ways. Like, it does not matter. No. And so we're watching this movie. They fall asleep. And the movie keeps playing. And I was like, they left you. I have to say that I watched it. I have to finish the movie. And I was like, you know, like, I I have to finish the movie. But I turned it all the way down. So it was silent. You watched this movie. (laughs) I'm silent. Oh my god. Kate. <laughs> the experience. I watched it twice in theaters. You watched it once silenced. Silenced. While making cookies. Yeah. For Mole Day. Uh-huh. Well, we'd already made the cookies. Oh, sorry. It was post-cookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's incredible. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Speaking of. Anyway. You being scared. Let's talk about. <laughs> so this is really actually going to be let's hear us be mad. Yeah, let's hear us be mad. I, I will I will say the things I liked first. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and here's a fun thing. I'm just going to be honest about it. I took no notes. Um, usually I take like a page and a half of notes of like during the movie bullet points of what I liked. But this time, 
I didn't. Uh, my background is in improv, so baby, let's do it. Um, camera's rolling. I'm ready to go. Oh, shit. Here we go. Uh, I, I like this movie a lot for reasons that we kind of already talked about because it has little dialogue. Here's something I learned from UK. It has um, diegetic diegetic sound mm, yes. no what, okay what's the difference again so diegetic is something that is occurring within the film universe that they are cool. expected to hear so this movie is only diegetic sound mm-hmm. yes cool i learned that from kate Woo. so diegetic sound so there are no there's no music there's no like sound effects that aren't supposed yeah. to be happening um so that was really cool and like you said i mean it's supposed to be a home movie and they did a really good job because mm-hmm. the camera is consistent throughout yeah you you have this one camera and they have you have you have it looking wherever they put it mm-hmm. which is great because then you're just like and whatever that camera sees you're gonna see which gives you this unsettling feeling of what's happening right off of camera yes. what's happening on camera that you can hear but can't see it's really cool i i mean i i i'm a big fan of found footage just because of this because it gives you so many opportunities to scare your audience with things you don't really have to make, which is great. Like you said, you don't have to make a ghost. You don't have to make mm. a monster. All you have to do is use, like, sound design and angles at your 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 best that you can. And you make something really cool. You look like you have something to say. I'm ready. Okay. I I don't want to, like, destroy you. No, no. I'm, I'm excited. My favorite thing about this entire film were the moments. Okay. So we've talked about, like, subjective camera and point of view shots. Right. And, like, can a camera be subjective? Like, can it be called point of view if it's through right, a camera lens? Right, because it's the camera, not their eyes. Yeah. And yeah. we definitely, like, get those handheld shots where, like, Mika is taking her around the house and filming right. as if it is him looking through. But you also have, like, that continued use of static cameras, the unmoving yes. camera. And in these moments, I think it offers this chilling indifference and I know it sounds weird to call a camera indifferent yeah. because it's an inanimate object, but like we don't have a human hand guiding our attention. Instead, we have a scene where we just have to f- decide where to focus, where we're witnessing but not intervening. And there are scenes where Minka is carrying the camera around and like going room to room. And even though we as an audience don't change anything that happens, there's this feeling of involvement because you're right. moving with the characters. But with a static camera that is unmoving on a tripod, we don't get that closeness or sense of control. And to yeah. me, it reinforces that helplessness. Oh my God, yes. We can't do shit about what's happening. And you also have to choose where to look. You have to try and figure out what is the yeah. thing. So like the scene where the Ouija board catches fire or like even before the Ouija board planchette starts moving. Yes. You see the plants blowing. Yes. And it's like you are trying to decide in every <sighs> static shot. You're like, where do I need to look for the yeah. horror to happen? Where am oh I supposed gosh. to be looking? So you're like scanning and waiting. You hit on like my favorite part. Ugh. Which is the fact that like when a camera is on like a tripod or set down or whatever, you're not given an out. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like with uh, like Mika, when Mika's holding the camera mm-hmm. – He's going to move and try to see what he's looking at. Mm -hmm. And also you're getting, he's moving fast, so it could get blurry. Mm -hmm. You see him moving and like, maybe he's moving away from the sound because he's scared. So like, you have this out of like, whatever's scary, uh, maybe Mika will run away. Or Mm -hmm. maybe he won't look at it. But when it's static camera, it's like, it's going to look where it's going to look. And if the scary thing is coming right for the camera, that's what you're going to fucking see. Mm -hmm. Don't expect someone to run away from it. Don't expect whatever. You're going to see it. And mm-hmm. that is so scary. And I love when movies do that well. Yeah. Which this one obviously did. I mean, it's a huge fucking hit. Yeah. And obviously other movies do it well as well. 
that well as well. But um, that's what I loved about it. And this is one of those movies where I don't really have too much to say about like lighting and this and that because it is a found footage and your lighting is very like basic. You do get a lot of like oversaturated um, glimpses of Katie and mm. Mika and like whoever is in the focus of the camera. And I think that's cool. I think that that is supposed to maybe show you how inexperienced they are. Mm-hmm. Because like usually when you're using lighting on a camera, like if you're doing something professionally or whatever, your goal is to not oversaturate or overexpose your subject. Mm-hmm. Which is what they kind of did the whole movie. Whenever the light is like, on, turn like, the light off. yes, exactly. You hear Katie saying, like, that light is really bright. You see Katie looking like white, like a ghost. Like, she mm. looks so pale because they have this light just like directly on her. Which I think, in my mind, it helped me, like, take Mika as an idiot. Like, he already is because he's a fucking idiot and we'll get to that. But you see him using this camera and these lights so inexperienced. Like, he's just pointing it right at her. He's doing this. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting this, like, oh, this is a Hollywood movie. You're getting, like, this is found footage. This is someone just hanging out with a camera. And I think that weird overexposed lighting really does that. It really makes you feel like you're just a family in a house experiencing demons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I just love that. I love movies like this. Found mm-hmm. footage is really great. I it feel has a like special place in my heart. It does. Because, like, even though you get some of, like, some similar camera angles. Like, we talked about this with Hell House. Like, when they drop the camera, sort mm, of. Yeah. And you're seeing the point of view from wherever they drop the camera. Yep. You get that in this, too. Yeah. That moment where Mika sets the camera down when he realizes that Katie's been holding the crucifix so hard that her hand is bleeding. Yeah. You get this moment of him being, like, He's still pointing the camera at her, which we'll get to this. Mm-hmm. It's shitty. He's pointing the camera at her. You're annoyed. Um, but what he does eventually is he like realizes that she's holding this crucifix so hard that her hand is bleeding and he sets the camera down to finally just help her. And that's when you get the shot. So like you're getting a lot of shots that you would get in any found footage or whatever. So it's really just what you do with it. I thought they did a good job. Yeah. Because it's really just so scary. <laughs> yeah. specifically because you don't see the demon (laughs) there was something that i read in like one of the articles and they use the phrase like repetition and escalation yeah and it's like that because at the beginning you have the low humming right and then you have some thumps right and that's basically it you have like the door moving and a little bit but nothing and so like it like starts with that foundation of you have the noise and then you have footsteps and then you have the noise and the footsteps in the door. Then you have the noise, the footsteps, and then this. And yes. so it has this like repetition. So you start to know, I hear the humming. And then you know something's yep. going to happen. And then it escalates every And you night. start to get used to it too, which mm-hmm. is the really fun part. Because then you're like, oh, okay, footsteps. Yeah, they've had that. Mm-hmm. And you slowly start to get used to it almost like they are. So you're experiencing it at a similar rate that they are experiencing it because you're like, okay, well, they've already had footsteps. Like that can't be that bad. And then shit just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And I love that it does start out with, like, kind of cliche things that, like, anybody would experience. <sighs> Not anyone, but, like, on any of those ghost hunting shows. Mm-hmm. Here's a fun fact. Kate and I love ghost adventures. We love okay, it. I'm calling us out. Eh? We love to watch sweet little Zach and his giant There's talking. Jeans. There's talking. I'll do my really good <laughs> Zach Bagans impression uh-huh. soon for everybody. But we do He's love really to watch good. this. And they give us some of those cliche things that, like, can be explained. 
So, like, when we're watching Ghost Adventures and the door, like, opens a little, we're like, okay, like, there's wind, like, whatever. So, similarly, you're watching this and the door opens and it's, like, not moving that much. So, you're kind of like, okay, like, whatever, you know? Like, (laughs) they've given us evidence that's so boring in a way that when it's not boring, all of a sudden you're like, I wish it was boring. I wish it was boring. (laughs) I wish for the door moving. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, which is funny. I don't remember if it's in the second or not because I've only seen the first one. But I was reading an article about how, like, one of the sequels is, like, the best of them. But they all kind of suck compared to the first one. Right, which I'll talk about. Which is the trend. But um, in one of them with the pool, it's, like, the automated pool cleaner keeps, like, climbing out of the pool. And that's, like, the scare in that scene. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. It's great. I have things to say about the sequel, which I will say soon. Um, but because you get used to it, the, like the big scares that you do get are really scary. And a lot of times, like it's not necessarily what happens in the scene that is scary. It's just them reacting to it. Mm-hmm. So I will say kudos to them. Specifically, I would say Katie. Yes. Because she is incredible. Yeah. She does such a Her improv in this movie is some of the best improv I would say I've seen Mm -hmm. In any movie, especially knowing that it's improv. Like, she just, she knew how to say stuff. She knew when to say stuff. Like, she felt very natural. They both did. But I just hate Mika so much that I don't want to give him credit for anything. I'm like, ew. But if my goal was to hate him, good job, Mika. You did a great job. Um, They both did. They both were just really good. They were very natural. I believed their relationship. And I believed in how scared they were. Like, I just, I appreciate good improv. And I thought they yeah. were really, really good because like you can have the best scares all you want, but if you're acting as shit, I'm not going to give a fuck, you know, cause I'm not going to believe it. And I really believed them. Do you want to hear the improv quote that I have from the director? Yeah. Okay. So this is a direct quote from an MTV article. Oh. So we would either surprise them with something that was happening during the night or if it was any of the daytime scenes, we would just give them the generics. Yep, the generic setup and let them do their own thing and improvise everything. Yeah. In a few other cases, depending on the scene, it would be more involved. In many cases, it was very collaborative. I would tell them, this is the scene we're about to do and we would kick around ideas. I love that. And that's something that, like I said, that I've done before where like a director will just be like, here is what's happening in the scene. And now just act that out as if it had happened to you. And that's such a good thing to do because then you get people's natural reaction to it Mm -hmm. and they're not stuck to like whatever words are written, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I appreciate both. I really do. Good writing is also incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you get to improv a scene, you're getting a lot of emotion behind it because you're not playing a character. You're just yourself. Yeah. And I think that that goes a long way. Um, Yeah, for sure. I loved this improv in this movie i think it's so good and it just made it so scary because it felt so real yeah um do you have a favorite scare i do because we talked about this last time where we want to start doing this and i'm trying to think of mine so i'm like all right kate you go while i think of my favorite scare okay my oh i was like leaned way far back from the mic (laughs) my favorite scare (laughs) uh is probably when she's dragged out of bed because oh, yes. you see her being pulled by her ankle. But, like, what happens is she starts sliding. Like, her oh, leg appears that. and she oh. starts sliding towards the bed. And then she just flops over the side of the bed because she's asleep when she's pulled oh, out. It's so upsetting. And then she is screaming. And she's being dragged from the room to the closet in the hallway. Ugh. And she is yelling. And it takes a while for Mika to wake up. I know. And so it's, like, this 
helplessness because it has the static oh. camera where you're like, I see something happening. I am helpless to stop this. I can't change anything. Oh. Mika's not waking up. Mika's not moving fast enough. And then he drags her like back in and they just like collapse into each other basically. And then you find out that she got bitten on the back by the thing. Oh my God. Yeah. Nasty, nasty bite. God, that was so upsetting. But like to me, the part where she's dragged, not only because it's fucking terrifying to be dragged out of bed by your ankle, but because you can't do anything and you feel so helpless. Yeah. 100%. Oh, I hate that part. My That was one of my top, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people's because it is so upsetting. Yes. There's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say my top scare would be when they do the powder. Mm. Because I, I had never seen that done in like hmm. a movie before when I first saw this. So for me, I was like, oh my God, that's so smart. Wow. Yeah. So then I was like, you know what's coming. You know it's going to be footsteps. But it's the fact that it's, like, it's not human feet. So that's upsetting. One. So that really freaked me out the first time I saw this. But what freaks me out the most is when they wake up. Yeah, I know. My fat cat's Sorry, I'm giving her eyes. She's she's chilling. She's giving me eyes back. Uh, My favorite part, though, is when um, they wake up and you hear her go, like, oh, my God. Like, I can see the footsteps. And Mika's like, yeah, I'm looking at them. And then you hear them say, like, there's no footsteps out. Oh, I hated that because mm-hmm. that means that it just wouldn't leave. Yeah. It was just fucking watching them. Just there. Just there. Just watching. Yep. And they knew it and they were just exploring where the footsteps had come from and all this. And that's when you get like the attic thing being open, which is really upsetting. But the most upsetting part is that it's, they're just like, I don't see it leaving. And yeah. it's like, ew. Yeah. That's your first kind of moment of like, it kind of just sits around Katie you get some other ones after that. Where she's it's like, just, it's breathing on it's me. It's breathing on me, which you see her hair move, and that's yeah. terrifying. But you And you get another moment where she says, I can feel it watching me. Yeah. And Mika says, you're freaking me out. And she's like, bruh, I'm freaked out. Yeah. I so, think I fucking feel. God. So, like, that's the scariest moment to me just because it's your first, like, moment of realizing that this stupid thing doesn't leave her alone. Ugh. Oh, God. I, I love that powder part. I really do. Yeah. I think it's so cool. And the fact that it's like this weird little bird-like, bird-like legs. (laughs) And it's, there have been, I feel like there was um, a thing said by like a director or it's like said in the sequels, but it didn't have to be bird legs. It can kind of like decide and it's like, I'm going to be fucking weird. And <laughs> that's me every day. Yeah. I'm fucking weird. It's like I have the choice today. I will choose weird again. Choosing weird. <laughs> I'm gonna double down on my always choice. You of thought weird. I was gonna go normal. <laughs> Just weird, baby. Two X weird. Two <laughs> X weird. Two <laughs> <laughs> X crab. <laughs> X crab. You don't have to explain this now. <laughs> Oh my god! I was just there for the text portion of it. <laughs> One time, my friends and I ordered uh, Chinese food, and we were like, "Hey, let's get two orders of crab rangoons because we really like them." And they gave it to us, and it just had a giant two x crab, and it was so intense that we were just like, "Hot damn, two x crab, baby!" <laughs> and now, whenever something has two of it, I'm like, two x crab." <laughs> Anytime I accidentally put the same word twice in a sentence, two <laughs> x the. <laughs> it's, it's a classic. <laughs> 2x crab. Oh, oh, God. 2x weird. 
It yeah, really was. Yeah. It did not have to have creepy bird legs. No, and it didn't have to leave the footprints. No, I will say like a cliche thing they could have done, not cliche necessarily, but like a classic demon thing is give it hooves. Yeah. You know, you picture a demon, you picture like Cloven things hooves. like the witch where you get like a goat. Mm-hmm. So like, have you done, if they had done hooves, I don't think I would have been as scared because I'd be like, oh, classic demon. Mm-hmm. Yep. But in this, I'm like, ew, bird legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Legs. Why bird legs? You could have given it anything. Yeah. Ew. Mm-hmm. Bird legs. Bird, bird legs. legs. <laughs> I'm not over it. Ew. It's, it's like being haunted by a really mean ostrich. I I would not fuck with an ostrich. I would never they fuck with an ostrich. Unkind. They're they're so fast. Listen, they're probably okay. I already regret what I said. I said that ostriches sound unkind, and that is not a fair thing to map on to creatures that are no, just trying to live. No. See, I don't know if they're kind. <laughs> they're probably aggressive, but that has nothing to do with kindness. Oh, no, no, no. Maybe they are a super kind bird, but they're definitely aggressive. They're God, kind. they're fast. They're very fast. Love them. Don't come for me, ostriches. You'll catch me so fast. I'm sorry, ostriches. I love you. I love you. Um, That's really all I had for horror. I mean... We talked about it a lot in marketing just because that was such a big part of it. And we talked about it a lot, not in the Blair Witch episode, but we we talked about found footage before. Mm -hmm. And I think this one just continues on what Blair Witch did. This was one of the few movies that did a found footage well and did what the Blair Witch was also doing. Yes. Which we talked about is also really hard to do. Yeah. But it did it. It really did. Because they, you know, they did that thing in the beginning where they're like, Thank you to the families of Mika and Katie, blah, blah, mm-hmm. like kind of in the in the police department, giving you a sense that this is real, but not doing what the one that would not be named mm-hmm. the fourth kind, not doing what that did with straight up lying to you. Yeah. They were like, oh, here's a fun little thing to make you think it's real. But then at the end, they're very much like, this is this production. Thank you to this, this, and this. Yeah. Um, they say like everything was fictitious. Right. Exactly. To basically be like, yeah, like it was fun in the beginning when it was real, but like, we're not just going to We're releasing lie. you from this reality. Right. Which is what the Blair Witch does as well. Yeah. I mean, you get the same thing. And that's, I think that they followed that model really well instead of trying to like build upon it. Mm-hmm. And they did a good job. So, yeah, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Do you have the emotional energy to talk about Mika? <sighs> yeah, let's talk about Mika. We have a lot to say about Mika. Okay. So my entire opinion can be basically summarized as fucking misogyny. <laughs> 100%. Uh, there's also just like as a subcategory of fucking misogyny, there's minimizing ableist language, um, this sense of ownership, control, mm-hmm. like narratives and dominance, absolute toxic masculinity. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, aggressively. So, uh huh. So he has this like ownership and control viewpoint where he's like, "You're my girlfriend. This is my house. Yes. I'm not gonna let demon fuck with my girlfriend." And it's like she does not belong to you. No. She is not like she is telling you what she wants. She is telling you what she does not want, and you are completely ignoring and violating all consent. You protect people because you love them, yeah. not because they're yours. Yeah, like, oh. and it's so tied into his masculinity. Oh, one hundred percent. It's not even subtext. He says like I'm a man, basically. He literally says like I'm a man. Like I, he tries to fight this demon like a million times, and it's interesting because you can like hear that he's scared. And I I don't know how much of this is you're supposed to hate Mika or how much is like, this is just the personality of men. Like, we got to do that. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't want to know because I hate him so fucking much that I just want to keep hating him. 
Um, but you can hear that he's like kind of scared, but he still is just like, oh, come get me. Like, I'm not afraid. And I'm like, she just said that she is upset. Yes. And she cannot handle this right now. You can hear her pleading every time he does this. Please don't. Do not upset it. And that's all he does the whole fucking time. And, like, he, okay, so one of his, like, constant things is, like, minimizing, Mm -hmm. where he's dismissing, constantly downplaying her thoughts, feelings, experiences, and that's, like, an abuse tactic. (laughs) T.W. on this, like, that is something that abusers do. And he, like, belittles her perspective Mm -hmm. so that he can make her, like, opinions and feelings seem insignificant or abnormal basically saying why are you freaking out like the number of times he says chill out it's like he's basically telling her you're being unreasonable you need to fit my expectations you need to be smaller and be quieter and here's what's really upsetting too is that you have those moments where he's like chill out why are you so upset why are you so upset but then when he has footage he wants to show them on his camera he's like her and her friend are like making something, doing mm-hmm. something. And she goes, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I don't want to talk about this right now. And he goes, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I want to show you something. And I'm like, holy shit. And he's like, I could really use your help. Like, I really want your help. And like, can we not do this right now? Like, he keeps Literally. saying that her emotions are inconvenient to oh, him. Yeah. When he's the one that kept fucking shit up for her. Yeah. And Literally. Like, all the whole movie. It's just, I don't believe you. I don't really believe you. I don't think this is real. And then when all of a sudden it is real... When she doesn't have the emotional capacity to, like, listen to it. She's really tired. He's like, well, you won't watch this for me. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, Mika, I'm going to fucking kill you. (laughs) Yeah. And something that I really appreciated was that, like, the film didn't map her as, like, a passive person. She is always saying, oh, what you did was fucked up. The way you're talking to me is fucked up. And, like, I am not at all saying that folks that are abused need to model that behavior. No, because, no. like, that's the thing, in, like, in abusive relationships. But I liked that she was shown as always, like, telling him. You see him. her getting mad consistently. You see her setting boundaries yeah. consistently. Yeah. She says, do not get a Ouija board. The one thing I don't want you to do is antagonize this. Mm-hmm. I, she says, the one thing I want to do is call this demonologist have this taken care of and figure this out. She even has the psychic tell her like, this is the best option for you. And all Mika does is make fun of him the whole time. And he calls him a fruit. And I was like, calls him a fruit. And I'm like, you, we both had the same reaction. We weren't even in the same room, but I could feel Kate being like, Oh, and here's the funny thing is that like, I told Kate this when I first watched this movie, I did not pick up on this Nor because I. I was like, what, like a 16, 17 year old kid who was just like, oh, cool movie about like a relationship when there's ghosts. Yeah. I was so enthralled with the haunting that like to me, someone who was young and hadn't experienced this yeah. and also like this kind of behavior was kind of normalized back yeah. in the 2000s, which is very unfortunate. It's still normalized. It's but still like, normalized. But more so. Yeah. It's definitely more like called out now yes. and like people are not taking it, which is Great. But back then it was very much like, oh no, that's just kind of how just it normal. is. That's just how guys And are. that's how it was. So I didn't even notice this. Yep. I did not notice this behavior. I was just like, yeah, scary ghost movie. So then we watched it for this. I was expecting that again. I was like, yeah, I love this movie. It's like really scary. And then I watched it and I was like, oh my God, the abuse that she takes is something that you don't even, or that not maybe that you don't, but I didn't clock when I was young. And I'm just so upsetting watching it again. Yeah. Because, like, so much of this could be prevented. I this didn't whole thing young. probably. Yeah, exactly. Like, this whole thing could have been prevented. It's literally, I would say, 100% caused because of Mika. I won't say that, like, it started because of Mika. But I will say 
the whole thing continues and gets worse because of everything Mika does. I would say it <laughs> escalated because of him. 100%. I do not think that Katie did anything wrong this entire movie. She literally tries her best to do what's right and he will not let her. And I mean, you need that, I guess in some horror movies, you need that kind of character to pro- yeah. like to continue your plot. Yeah. Because if they called the demonologist, they would be like a They'd be done. movie. <laughs> right. And be like, look at the weird door opening. Okay, it's gone. Let's fix it. <laughs> Yay. Let's make that movie. I'm going to cut it. So it just yep. looks perfect. Like they're fine. Yeah. But everyone lives. Yeah. I mean, you need, that, you need that character to yeah. do that. Oh my God. I love it. She dumped him. Mm. Even better. She killed him. Mm. Um, so yeah, you need that character to continue things. But it is tough to watch sometimes. Yeah. Because you're like, I believe her. Why don't you? And it's infuriating. It's infuriating. And then like he shifts <sighs> blame. And it's like, I personally do believe that she should have told him when their relationship was serious. Hey, I've been haunted. Right. I truly don't think he would have believed her. So right. it's like one of those disclosure things that you should do because it's part of consenting to living with someone. Right. I don't think he would have believed her. He would have right. mocked her mercilessly. He would have been a shithead. I do think she should have said it, but it doesn't mean that this is her fault. No. It is absolutely not her fault. And also if she had been experiencing these kind of things like before they had moved in, why would you tell someone that if you know you're going to get like mercilessly mocked, you know? If you know they're not going to believe you. Right. So like, I know we're looking so deep into this relationship that's like, from a movie that is not real, but still it, it plays a part in the fact that it just like, it's infuriating to watch. And that's part of the horror is that like you feel helpless like Katie because Mika will not listen. No. All he does is make things worse. Consistently. Oh, Consistently. This is a trope later that I can get into now, but it's the exact words trope. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that thing he throws in her fucking face where she says, promise me you will not buy a Ouija board. And he oh. says, I won't buy a Ouija board. And he's like, I didn't buy it. I borrowed it. And she's this like, motherfucker. She's like, you knew what I meant. You knew and you didn't care. And he's like, I didn't buy it. I didn't you buy, buy it. it. He's a fucking asshat. I hate him. So like, I texted this to Kate the minute this movie ended. <clears throat> but I was like, Kate, listen, I think that this movie is a great add on. To the good for her category of films. <laughs> yes. Because listen, I know she gets possessed and I'm not saying that that's good for her, but boy, she does get to kill Mika. And you know what? Good for her. <laughs> I watched this and I literally went, oh, thank God. <laughs> when I first watched this movie, I was like, oh my God, they killed him. That's so scary. And in this one, I'm not joking. This sounds like a fucking joke, but I was on the edge of my seat going, oh my God, they're going to throw him at the camera any minute. And mm-hmm. I was waiting. And then yep. they threw him and I went, yes. <laughs> and I, I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. And I also want to like emphasize it wasn't just supernatural shit that he was garbage about. No, Because like all. when he first gets the camera, he's like, how about we have some sexy time? And she's like, no, I said no. She is so, oh, and she's then, so She's she sets her boundary. She sets her boundary, and then he puts the camera on the bedside table, and she's like, "Dude, it's recording." And he's like, "No, that's just the standby light." And she's like, "I'm not dumb. Don't lie to me." And he's like, "Okay, oh fine, God. haha." And that is so upsetting. It's not like this funny throwaway, no. like, "Oh, guys, haha, they just want sex tapes." That's a violation of consent. I and that upsets me so much. Mika literally does nothing good this entire no. movie. He's. Gorbage the entire time. It's not just that he doesn't want to believe in supernatural no. stuff. It's that he has a toxic, like this abusive toxic, man. toxic, abusive masculinity. And also, listen, this is this is small potatoes compared to everything he's done. But I just want to say that one scene where they show him at work when he's on his little headset, mm. his shirt is very ugly. It is. 
It does not look good. He does not look good. And I know that that's nothing compared to what he does, but I wanted to bring it up while we're shit-talking Mika. I hate that goddamn shirt and I hate him. And then he says that this line that, of course, me, eat the rich, this made me mad at him. Oh, no. Where she was like, how much did that cost, huh? The camera. And And he's like, oh, half what I made today. And I was like, you ass. You absolute ass. Like... (laughs) I don't like him. That's why when I was watching it, I was like, how are they affording this house? And then they were like, he's a day trader and she's a student. I was like, oh, he's rich. Of course he is. Mm -hmm. I just, he's one of those people. They're like, you just want to give him a good punch just once just to be like, oh, yes, this isn't for you. It's for me. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to give him one. So yeah, there you go. That's the horror of this movie is half demons, half Mika being an abusive, absolute horrible asshole. All you need for a good horror movie, demons, toxic masculinity. The toxic masculinity. The fact that he's just like, I'm going to fight this demon. And I'm like, go for it, bud. I hope you fucking do. And then he does and he dies. Mm -hmm. And good for her. I've said it a million times. I'll say it again. I'm sad she gets possessed. Yes. But good for her. Um, Well, that actually does bring me to like the sequels, which I'll only talk Mm. about for like a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do actually really like... I think it's the second one specifically. I actually do like that one. I know that they continue to get shittier and mm-hmm. shittier as you go. But I do like the first one uh, is, you know, Katie's story. And then the second one is actually like the prequel of how Katie got this demon. Not when they're kids, because that's the third one, which I will say is also not terrible. I think that's the one that a lot of reviewers said was the best. Yeah, the one with their kids of the is actually... Right. The one with their kids is actually quite good just because you know you get to see like where it came from and you get to actually see moments that katie talks about in the first one which is cool yeah but i really like the second one because it was a sequel that i had not really ever seen before where like the whole time you're like oh my god her sister is kind of experiencing this too but then slowly you're like oh wait a minute there's mika there's katie this is happening at the same time so they're happening at the exact same time Sort of. Wowza. Have you seen this or no? no? I haven't seen any of. We might maybe first. we'll cover this a little bit. This could be a great bonus episode on. We the We might Patreon. just want to cover it. I will just say that it is. I don't want to ruin it if we do cover it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I enjoy that it is both sort of a prequel and a a present of what is happening and the stories intermingled together to create what happens to Katie. That's really cool. Yeah. I know that in the second one you find out why. Yeah. But I don't, like I was reading through and I was like very spoiler conscious because I do want to watch the rest. I I do actually think that we might want to cover the second one because I will say it's really cool. There's just a part where like you you feel for these characters in this movie and then you see what happens and you're kind of like, that sucks. Like, then all of a sudden you're like, did they do the right thing? And it questions everything you felt for the people in that movie. Yeah. And then it makes everything that happens to Katie feel a thousand times worse. Oh, God. So. Because that's what she needed. <laughs> right. So I, will, I won't spoil it because okay. we might talk about it. But I, I will say, like, if you do want to watch the second one, check it out. Cool. I, I recommend it. I do actually think it's okay. The, fir- the second and the third. After that is where it just starts to get a little buck wild and i think it takes on its own like they ran out of content for this family and started making some other buck wild stuff yeah but i think the first second third really do follow a nice story of like here's what happened here's what also happened at the same time that you didn't really get to see and here's what happened before cool so they continue the story it's good stuff so that's my thought on the prequel is that once you watch it 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 helps with this story a little bit which is good rad okay yeah so yeah, we're definitely gonna watch those. Yeah. Are you ready for some tropes? Yes, very much so. Okay. 
So I mentioned this earlier, but I have a category, tropes that demonstrate how much Mika sucks. Yay! Uh, the first one is ac- asshole victim. Enough said. <laughs> Good for her. Bye. Good for her. Bye. <laughs> uh, bullying a dragon. So that's like, mm. why would you bully something that could crush you with its little toe? 100%. So him antagonizing an invisible demon. I think you mean with its little bird leg. Sorry. Oh, with it. Yeah, yeah sorry. sorry. With, with its, its talon. With its Not to embarrass you, but it did have bird legs. Okay, this is really embarrassing. With its talon. There you go. What was a spring bird? I was like, a young bird, a spring bird. Oh, when you tried to say something was a spring chicken and yep. you were like, I'm no spring bird. <laughs> I'm a dumbass. Oh, God, I loved that. Anyway, we also, I mentioned this earlier, we have exact words mm-hmm. uh, and then improv. So that was something that they did. Uh, and then it's all about me. So <laughs> he centers his ability to protect Katie and his ownership of Katie in the house it's not about empowering her. No. It's not about facing something as equals together. He's a very possessive understanding of their it's relationship. It's not even about protecting her. He doesn't no. care about her safety. He cares about his, his ability to make sure he's yep. a man and mm-hmm. he can provide and protect. But he's not protecting her at all. No. All he's doing is hurting her. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Mika, bye. And then I have four. Okay. Um, and three of these we've probably covered before. One of them I'm sure we haven't. Yeah. Okay. So the first, these are just my general tropes. One is yeah. daylight horror. And mm-hmm. so we had this in It where a lot yes. of like horrific things happen during the day. But in this one, you start with everything happening at night while they're sleeping, while they're most vulnerable. Right. But then they're awake yeah. during the day. And it's like daytime will not protect us. They literally even say it and it's so funny. Yeah. Because they literally go, has this ever happened in the day? And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, has it? <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, because it was always at like after midnight. Yeah, it was always like between midnight and was four like a.m. The time. Yeah. yeah, that was like it's time to strike. It was like three yeah. a.m. So all of a sudden, when it's not, you're like, "What are you doing up? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Don't you sleep? Don't go to bed? <laughs> I'm just like tapping watch. Where did you go? Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> it's not your time, baby. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's daylight horror because yeah. it's showing like the escalation into daytime, right? And like their like protective window mm-hmm. dwindles until there's nothing left, right? Uh, the fourth wall will not protect you. We had this a little bit with Pennywise. Yeah. Where he's yeah. like looking at the oh, camera. So scary. Well, she does that in the very last scene. Remember? <gasps> she does. She, like, she looks, looks at the camera. At the camera. Yeah. And I literally went, good for her. Good for her. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. Look at those demon teeth. Look at you. You're doing good for yourself. Mm-hmm. Girl, you just killed me. Look at that smile. Ugh, I would have killed her like <laughs> You look good, honey. You look good. <laughs> Blow a kiss to the sky. That's for Katie. <laughs> Then we also have the freeze frame bonus. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see this one, but apparently, um, I don't know if I did. Like one of the times when she, I think it's when she walks out of the room mm-hmm. at night oh, and no. she's obviously possessed, her shadow moves before she does. <gasps> no! Ew! Mm-hmm. I have to rewatch it now! Yeah. Ew! And then my last one Voice of the Legion. So it's like this trope where evil people have multiple voices or an that. echoing reverberating voice. And it happens when she's possessed. Yeah. At the end where she says, I think we'll be okay now. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. 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 I'm so glad that you brought this yeah. up. Yeah. Because I heard it and I went, did I hear that? Was that just her? And it's like, like yeah. it's so scary. And I was like, no, 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 no. I think I just misheard. So then you just said it, and I was like, oh, I will. it's so creepy. And it's funny, because I watch everything with subtitles, and yeah. so it said, like, in two voices, <gasps> or, like, Katie and other voice. And so I was Ew. like, thanks for that. <laughs> I didn't even, because I noticed, I mean, I heard it, but it was really subtle. Oh, you know what? Good fucking job, yeah. Paranormal Activity, because I, I noticed to the point where it unsettled me. Yes. But I didn't know if it happened. 
Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I did not notice. That's yes. really cool. Yeah. Ew, gross. I hate no. that. I hate it in a great way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, ew, gross. Don't. Ew. You can do Smiles. it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> ew. Stop. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> uh, so how are we going to rate this movie? Oh, God. Okay. You had some ideas, Yeah. Correct? Okay. I'm ready for that. I'm sorry. I got... <laughs> Okay, I was like reading that. my list and I was like, do I read it in order? Do I do it alphabetically? Do I like go from best to worst? I'm just going to write it, read it in the order I wrote it. Read it. Let's go <laughs> just for read it. it. Uh, so, Demon Bites. Beautiful. Broken okay. Pictures. Uh huh. Soft Thumps. Soft <laughs> <laughs> Thumps. Okay. Low Growls. Ooh, I like Low Growls. And Burning Ouija Boards. Oh, I like that too. I will say Soft Thumps and Low Growls were my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't really have one. All I have was like, you know, Attic pictures. Mm. Um, burn childhood memory. Oh, a burn childhood memory. Yep. That's a good one. Uh, you know, flowery footsteps. Mm. Uh, or powdery footsteps, mm. I suppose. Um, Mystery white powder footsteps. <laughs> That's a long one. <laughs> That's almost as long as our stupid TSA training. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> now we had to write that one down like three TSA times. TSA detective training. <laughs> detective training. Um, you know what? One really resignated. Resignated? Resonated. Resonated. I'm resigning. <laughs> this is I my two weeks quit. notice. See, Kate, I'm putting my two weeks notice. You got two more episodes um, out of me. <laughs> soft thumbs. Soft thumbs. <laughs> I really like it because yeah. it's subtle, much like this movie. Yep. You know, this movie had a lot of good... <laughs> did, could you, did that register? Trying <laughs> <laughs> to do some soft thumbs Just like drumming real. on the table. Uh, I say soft thumbs. Okay. I think it's your turn it to It is my first. turn. Yeah. Um, so... It, this one's simple for me, I think, because I'm I really liked it, and I think I feel bad that I keep giving stuff such high ratings. It's arbitrary. I know. I game, baby. Gonna, okay, and this is literally half of this is because Mika dies. Mm. Five, yeah, five soft thumps. Yeah, five of those, baby. Um, I just bought my mic. That's a six soft thumps. Just like shit. Pop it on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give it five only because when I first saw it, it really did scare me like in theaters. Um, And it's got that a few moments, like you just said, with the the shadow and the voice that I barely noticed. It gives, it has that subtle rewatch bonus. That's really cool. And, and it also just, I think it, it did so well with its marketing and with everything else that like, it still scares me because I still picture like, those trailers with the audience freaking out and i'm like that's me now <laughs> i'm freaking out um it's just really scary it's a really subtle movie mm. and um it's a slow burn it really is and i think slow burn movies are really hard to do because sometimes they can be just a little too slow and yeah. you'd be like i'm done but this one it just it picks up at just the right moment to really keep your attention and it also has some of those cliche ghost scares mm-hmm. that give you like a false sense of security and like you said with the static camera Oh, this is one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, the static camera when it's set up in the bedroom, that's my favorite shot. Yes. This is one I was going to talk about because you get to see the bed. So you get to see the two of them. But both of them are so vulnerable because the one scary thing that you can see is the door. Yeah. That is completely black, basically. You yeah. cannot see anything outside of that door. And you can see kind of outside the door. So whatever's coming, you're going to see first. But their backs are to it. And... Their sides are sort of to it. So whatever comes in, one, can grab them easily. And two, they're not going to see it coming. Mm-hmm. So that's a really genius shot. Mm-hmm. It is a genius shot that they could do many things with. And they do actually yeah. do a lot of things with. 
And I love that shot because you get that dark cavernous door that even though you've seen the hallway beyond it, you're like, I don't know what's happening through that darkness. Yeah. And also you have them sleeping in bed. They're vulnerable. Yep. They can't see. So five soft thuds, soft thumps, soft thuds, thumps, bumps, soft thumps, because the, the shot that you get the most is terrifying consistently. Yeah. It doesn't get, it doesn't get boring. Mm-mm. Mika dies and fuck him. So that's and great. Uh, you know, sad for Katie, but still, you know, she got to kill Mika. And yeah. You got to take a win when you can get one. Ask, you know? Uh, and I thought that their camera angles and really amazing improv acting was mm, great. So yeah. for the improv and everything else and all the things I loved, five out of five soft thumbs. Yeah. So I'm really glad you went first because I was like, is Nick going to mock me if I give this five soft thumbs? <laughs> <laughs> I have like the same reasons. And like Mika was not set up to be liked. And so like I really, I not. really like- hate when movies are setting up this misogynist guy as partially hero. Right. And it's like, no, no, no. He is not heroic. He's abusive. He's kind of a villain throughout. And thank yes. God. And he so he's not set up to be liked. So I appreciate that. So it's like, I can deal with watching this because I know that he is not supposed to be right. this empathetic and character. And you know he's going to survive. So you're like, yep. bye-bye. And then the camera angles and like, it plays on so many like kind of childhood fears at the same yeah. time when he looks um, under the bed and mm-hmm. you're just like oh my god what's he gonna find under when there it uncovers her foot Ew, that reminds that. me like whenever her foot was over the edge of the bed i was like that's how the monsters like, get you bro you pull that foot in yeah and so it's like it oh and then it also just does things that don't make sense to us because it can so like it turns on a light and it turns it off yeah and it's like they never know unless they watch the tape but it just does these things that mean nothing but it's like it can it's like seeing and that's why get away it does. with and yeah. it's like ew it's what exercising power and it's also just unpredictable yeah. and that unpredictable unknowingness is just so, so scary upsetting. uh yeah so i give this five soft thumps yeah i i'm really excited to cover a movie again that we hate i really am because oh, yeah. i feel like people are like they're just being nice and i'm like no we just really like these movies and here's the thing is like we're not picking them because we like them no. we have a list and we go through like randomly and we're just like what about this one throw it in and yeah. it just happens to be ones that are really good yeah. like even the patron picks they're killing it oh the patrons are dope <laughs> our patrons are picking the best movies they picked a really good one for this month they did this coming one dude oh yeah they did i am i'm just excited i'm excited to f- we've so far we've only had one movie that we really didn't like yeah and I, I just want to promise our viewers that I don't love every movie no. I've watched. I just truly do love the ones that we've covered. Yeah. They're just good. And it's like there are some that I don't enjoy where it's not like, I think I have a lot of critiques. It's just like, I just don't think it's very good. Yeah, like We're just not interesting. Right. And so it's not like we're choosing movies that we love because we only want to like praise them. It's just because like if it's not a good movie, it's not right. interesting to talk about unless it's bad enough. Exactly. And there are some movies that people really do love. Oh, but, yeah. Like, just don't interest me. Yes. And I know that Absolutely. we'll get to those oh, eventually. for sure. Um, You know, and I'm sure we'll also get to movies that like I used to love. Well, like The Fourth Kind. I mm. used to love The Fourth Kind. And now I can't fucking stand it. And I think it's because your tastes change. So we'll see. I'm excited. There are things on the list that I put on the list with confidence. So I was like, I'm going to love this. And I'm worried. I'm like, oh, will I? So get ready. We'll get yes. to those. Stick around because I can't wait to just keep covering these movies and see what I don't like anymore. <laughs> oh, for sure. But yeah. So that's it. That's, yeah. I mean, 
that wraps up our discussion of paranormal activity. Yeah. Yeah. So if you enjoyed your time with us and all of our digressions. <laughs> yep, sorry. It's a wild one today. <laughs> we would so, so, so appreciate it if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help other people find us. Yep. And we also just really love reading what you have to say. I'll never stop saying it. I love those reviews. It makes me so happy. They're great. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Just Go With It on both of those. And every Wednesday we post what the movie for the week is. Mm-hmm. And then classic Saturday post is an out of context quote. <laughs> it's classic now because we've done it twice. We've done it twice. It's classic. <laughs> uh, we'll usually put where you can find the movie as well. Mm. Uh, this week movies, unfortunately, like you had to rent it. Yeah, um, unless you have stars. But I will also say that usually. Mm-hmm. Like Kate and I both are pretty good about being like, this one's available on this, this, and this. And if it's not, I'll be like, you can rent it. Yes. So that way, you know, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and you can also check out our extended show notes on our website, on our website, just go with a pod.com. And, you know, whenever I say it, that's in our extended show notes, that's on our website. So yes. I'm going to put that NPR video. It's yeah. Really cute. It's the extended show notes are great. Yeah, I learn yeah. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm here, I'm still like, what was that? What she, what she put? <laughs> you can also take a look at our Patreon, patreon.com slash just go with it. Yeah. And we'd like to take this opportunity to thank our patrons. We have a new one this month. <gasps> so we have Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, and Beth. Yay! Yeah. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rakazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. <gasps> Who, me? Who? It's me. Good for her. Good for her. You know what? One more time. This is how we'll end the episode. Fuck you, Mika. Good for you. One, two, three. three. Fuck, Fuck you, you, Mika. Mika. Good, good for, for her. her. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, glad we were on the same page. Yep. <laughs> I was like, panicked eyes. I can do this. We've each other so long. <laughs> We got the good allergy vibes out yum, now. Yum, yum. Cook me up good. <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I appreciate it, Anya.